0: Hello and welcome to series one of The Power of Impact, Stories of a Better Future. My name is David Simmons and in each episode I shall be talking to someone about the charity they lead and how they manage to prove the effectiveness of that charity. Our next interview is with Tina English, who is the inspiration behind the charity Embracing Age. Tina English, how are you? Um, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Life is busy, but all exciting stuff, so it's, it's all good.
0: So tell me a, a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've known you for a long time. I can't call you an old friend because the word old is, is a bit of an odd one. Um, but I've known you for a long time. Tell, me, tell us a bit about your past, your background, and what led you to do what you're doing now? Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, I don't know if you remember that. You actually played at my wedding, Yes, that, I
0: do remember yes. that. It's Don Francisco's song, wasn't it? it?
1: Yes, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: so my background, well, I trained as a nurse a long time ago and um, I did my nursing for a few years. I've always had a real heart for older people and so my nursing was much older people. And then when I had kids, I gave up nursing and when it was time to go back to work, I went into the charity sector with okay. older people and then in 2014, I started Embracing Age because I really wanted to do something for older people, with older people that had a Christian foundation for it. And, and that was how embracing, embracing Age was birthed. And I have to say, it's felt like the last nearly 10 years, I've been riding just on the wave of what God is doing, you know, so it's it's been exciting, it's been scary at times, but I feel like I always say God is the CEO of the embracing age because then uh, he takes it where he wants
0: it to go. What's, what's interesting about that is Matt Bird used to say, find out what God is doing and join in, which I think is a great philosophy if you, if you know what he's doing. But if it's your heart to reach older people, then he will use that. And I think that's yeah. one of the most encouraging things about working in this sphere is it's driven by your passion, and your passion comes through um, in everything you do. The website, it's clear that the passion uh, for helping older people, and it's it's an area which is often overlooked, both in the church, to be fair, and in society at a whole. So tell tell us a bit about that time in 2013, 2014, when you started to notice something that made you think, I've got to do something.
1: Um. I was At the time, I was working with a secular charity for older people. And and what I was seeing was that people on the fringes, especially specifically, I suppose, care home residents, that they seemed to just be completely overlooked. And it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, they've moved into a care home, they're okay. Now, as a nurse, I'd worked in a care home. I knew that wasn't the case. And when I started to look at research, it shows that older people in care homes are twice as likely to feel severely lonely compared to older people living in the community and, and so I know God's heart is very much for the overlooked and ignored and so it was it was exploring what can we do, how can we address this, how can we bring God's love and God's heart into this situation and that, that's how it kind of grew from there really and then God just opened lots of doors and it all just happened. Uh, hmm.
0: One of those doors being cinnamon, of course,
1: <laughs> yes, so cinnamon was slightly later on, okay. so um, cinnamon um, we we started our work um, in the borough of Richmond, mobilising volunteers to befriend care home residents and um, and then actually, what happened was someone emailed me uh, there was an article that was written in the Catholic Times. Um, about how Christians should be coming alongside care home residents. And they emailed it to me. And they said, Tina, this is what you're doing. You should respond to this. So I wrote a letter to the Catholic Times about what we were doing. And then I got an email back from a lady who said, can you bring this over to the Isle of Wight? Um, Because we really need it over here. Mm. And, And that just spurred me on to think, what does God want to do with this and and then that's when the cinnamon project lab came up and and so it was like okay lord is this what you're saying that you and this vision i suppose or idea of every church or every care home being adopted by a local church was birthed out of that and, and the cinnamon network really came alongside us in that through the Cinnamon project lab to enable that to begin to take shape so that that's how that sort of side of things was burnt. And, mm. and I think I had a meeting with you didn't I before the, you did uh, at the corner
0: coffee house yes, in Dagenham that's
1: right. yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah that's how that kind of all grew and, and it became just beyond the borough of Richmond upon Thames, which is where I live
0: we'll come back to that in a minute just to explain to any listeners who don't understand what we're talking about when we say cinnamon cinnamon network is a organization which helps charities to replicate as far as they can and as wide as they can using church hubs to sort of um, bring about change in their local communities and so a lot of the cinnamon Projects, the the ones that we recommend that churches take up are run by other charities, but we sort of help them to be incubated, and that's what we talked about when we talk about the project lab and so on. So thought I'd clarify that. Um, so you replicated. How did that happen? So you started off in the Isle of Wight, did you?
1: Well, it's a bit of a, a long story and I won't bore you with all the details, but yeah, so it's actually been quite hard to replicate because And what I find is that care homes are quite low down on the agenda of most Mm. churches. And so before the the pandemic, we were probably in the process of replicating with about nine churches. But then, of course, the pandemic came along and it just whipped the carpet from under our feet. We couldn't go into care homes, all the care homes closed. And So we we had to kind of come up with plan B, if you like, a different strategy of how to do things. And because we've been struggling to um, encourage churches to adopt their local care home, we we decided on a different tactic. And so now we kind of have two tactics that run side by side. We Mm. have our area projects where we employ a coordinator to mobilise volunteers in that area. And they work alongside churches and with churches, but we, we have a member of staff there. And who coordinates it. So we have that, and then at the same time, we're still encouraging churches to adopt their local care because we still want to see that happen. But we recognise that, for instance, on the Isle of Wight, there's probably as many churches as there are care homes. And some of those churches are really small, and so there isn't the capacity. So in some areas, we we need to have a presence and, and work at it a bit more with the local community. Across the UK, well, it changes all the time, but roughly, if there's 12,500 care homes, there's over 50,000 churches. So generally, over the UK, if one in four churches were involved, we could see every care home adopted by a local church. But we recognise in some communities, that statistic isn't quite safe. So we have this two-prong approach to it.
0: Two-prong approach. So how, how far has it grown thus far?
1: So we're in the borough of Richmond where we always were. We have a big project on the Isle of Wight and we have a big project in Hampshire. So there are three area projects. We're just starting again with the churches adopting a care home. We've just employed somebody to take that side of things forward because I know that probably the pandemic seems quite in the distant past for most people, but actually for care homes, it, it took a lot longer for them to, to recover. And, in fact, I was just hearing this morning about a care home that said oh, they don't want something happening in their care home this Christmas because there's been a rising COVID cases. So it still impacts the care yeah. home sector, and it, it impacts our work within that sector as well.
0: Gosh, that's really tricky, isn't it? I mean, oh. uh, one of the th- one of the key questions I do ask every charity that I interview is, the impact of COVID, I mean, it's pretty clear that care homes were at the forefront of the, the, the tragedy that occurred in this country. Um, so what do you think the short-term impact of your charity is? The
1: short-term impact for us is all about making a difference in the lives of older people, particularly care home residents, mm. um, so that they feel connected their local community, so they feel that there's people about around in the community who care about them, bringing hope. And especially when we're working with people living with dementia, which seventy to eighty percent care home residents have dementia or some degree. Some degree dementia. of, yeah. And it's all about that in the moment time. Hmm. that Our volunteers spend with the residents making a difference in their life because those feelings of safety of comfort of being loved those feelings last longer than the memory of what they actually did with the volunteer so mm. i would say that's our short-term impact in the lives of care home residents we also have a project that is supporting informal carers and we have weekly zoom meetings for informal carers to get together and pray together so For that project, I suppose our short-term impact is that carers feel less isolated, they feel connected and supported by other carers. Um, And then our third aspect of our work is equipping churches in their work with the older generation. I guess the short-term impact to that is inspiring churches to uh, think differently about their work amongst older people and think differently about older people as well
0: right so that that's a, a key outcome i think in the longer term definitely to wake people up to the to the the, the potential that there is to make a significant difference that isn't necessarily easily measured but it's like you were saying when you touch uh when you affect an old person's experience of life they don't necessarily remember it but they get the feeling and that's something that is not easily measured but so powerful and the thing about the work that we do is a lot of it is we know it works but we can't necessarily quantify it in that clear way so what about the long-term thing what would you like to see Embracing age do in let's say 10 years time what, do you, what kind of role will it play in the, in the, in the UK as a whole do you think could it play
1: well if um, every church was adopting their local care home by then if, if the whole attitude to older people had changed mm. and if we didn't exist in 10 years because everything had changed that would be success for me well, but I yeah. think we will still exist in 10 years I think it's going to take a bit longer than that. But what I would really like to see is older people values. You know, people's attitudes to older people change. I'd like to see care homes walk front and centre within their communities. You know, as community hubs, as people appreciating uh, and including the older people who live in care homes and Mm. appreciating care home staff as well. You know, so. They would be, my, and I'd love to see churches really begin to, well, not begin, in 10 years' time, I hope we're still not beginning, but, but churches are, are thinking differently about the older people in their congregations. They're not seeing it as, a, oh, we've got is older people, you know, but like, wow, we've got all these wonderful, valued older people in our midst, and that uh, those people, the older people <clears throat> in churches, don't feel overlooked, don't feel like they're just sort of, um, sidelined, but actually, mm. again, that they that we have real intergenerational
0: connections within our church. Oh, that's really powerful, um, intergenerational. I love that word. Yeah. And it's interesting how the experience and wisdom that's brought to bear by the older generation is so significant in terms of relating to the younger people and so on. Uh, something we're trying to do in our church is is um, structure our households. So that we have the the stripes of of generations, so that the older generations, such as <coughs> possibly me, can have an impact on those uh, slightly younger than me. Anyway, moving on hastily from that. Um, what about unexpected outcomes? Have you found anything systemic that's changed that you weren't expecting in the whole? Side of things.
1: I think one of the unexpected outcomes for me is is seeing how when when we make a difference, when when we talk about care homes, that actually other organisations begin to see care homes and see care mm. home residents. And so, for example, in the borough of Richmond, um, we have something called Good Gym, and it's where. Um, People go for a run and they do something community-minded as part of that run. So, ages ago, we connected um, Good Jim with one of the care homes because they were asking what could they be doing. And um, and then I, this was a few years ago before the pandemic. And then I just saw a Facebook post the other day from that care home about how Good Jim had come and done some more work in that in that care home. No. Wow. Gardening. Things like that, and so it, it's a kind of unexpected um, impact that we're seeing that other organisations are getting involved with care homes. That's brilliant! They're not so sidelined within the community, and I love that. You
0: know. Um, mm. that so more of that, we definitely wow. need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that sounds exciting! And what other stories can you tell about the impact of your charity's work?
1: For us, the main impact is on individuals. You know, for me it's always about the one, that one individual who we've made a difference in their lives. Obviously, we want the wider impact as well. But I mean I, I can tell you it's easier for me to tell the stories about the people I've volunteered with because I even though I lead the charity, I also volunteer in a home. because I feel like I practice I preach, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I get genuine. that. Um, and so I, I volunteer on the dementia unit at my local care home, and uh, I, I visited this one lady for three years. Um, her name was Susan, and um, she didn't have any other visitors. I was the only person who visited her. She was never married. She didn't have children. Her siblings were either not alive anymore or older than her, and. Um, and nephews with the board, so there was no one. Um, It used to be an hour of my week, and I would go and chat with her, and um, she would say at the end of our conversations quite often, thank you so much for coming to see me. It's so lovely to have someone to talk to. And I just think, gosh, it's nothing for me. But for her, it makes a difference between having someone to talk to and not having Mm. And, and she was quite an interesting lady i mean she, she dementia affected her uh, by making her quite angry a lot of the time which is mm-hmm. why she was even more isolated because she would direct her anger at the care home staff and she wouldn't join in any activities within the care home which meant that me coming to see her was often the only interaction that was positive for her actually within that environment. It wasn't the fault of the care home; it was just the mm. way the affected her. And and one of the things I was able to do with her was find out about her life story because she always wanted to go home. There were never any pictures, anything up on the wall. She always had a bad to go home. And um, but over time, I was able to find out about her and find out about her life story. And it turned out that her mum and dad were a lord and lady. I only found this out about 18 months into our visiting her. And her um, her, both her grandparents, her grandfathers, were quite famous in their own way. And there were information about both her grandfathers on the internet and there were photos of her family in the archives of the National Portrait Gallery.
0: Good Lord.
1: And, And so I was able to put together this life storybook of her life with photos and information from the internet and and each week I would go through it with her and as her dementia progressed and she was less able to um, hold conversation, one of the things we would do is look through this life storybook and I remember at one point um, talking to some of the staff at the care home and this one member of staff was in tears because she'd seen this life story but and
0: she said we, we had no idea about this lady's life story you know that's so that's the kind it? of impacting within the care home that's phenomenal that's what, a, what an incredible story gosh i mean huh that's so multi-layered isn't it there's so much to that because you have someone who is unseen really and you uh, were able to bring the eyes of everyone on that one life. And although she herself probably didn't recognise what was going on so much, um, there was nevertheless something very profound happening in the care home itself, which transformed the way, I'm sure, the way they treated her. Because she was a lady, descended from aristocracy, from who knows when? I mean, you know, Downton Abbey, your heart out. It's really amazing, isn't it? You know, we 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 hold people in these care homes who have such rich stories, and we 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 don't tap into them. We don't understand them. We don't know them. And and if they have dementia, that's another barrier added to that. But I think part of bringing, I suppose, something of God into that situation is that she is seen. Um, that's something that i think god is really emphasizing that you know each individual life is seen it's so powerful wow so what do you think the future holds and while we talk about the future let's talk about your book you've written a book
1: yes so i've written a book um called a great place to grow old and it's all about reimagining ministry amongst older people within churches um Is interesting in terms of what the future holds. I feel a lot of of what we do is sowing seeds. Mm. And sometimes we'll never know which of those seeds bear fruit and which don't. But I I had a a lovely email the other day from a lady. We send out our prayer letter every month. And we say to people, in this one, we said, if there's anything you want us to pray about, please let us know. And this lady emailed back and said, we're starting a new ministry for older people in our church you know I read your book I was really inspired and we're doing this and for me that was so encouraging you know that those seeds going even through the book are bearing fruit so um yeah in terms of the future I think I again I, I would I would love to see more churches really rethinking their Ministry amongst older people. I'd love to see every care home adopted by a local church. You know, I, I'm so humbled every time I realise the difference that the small things we do make in the lives of older people. It doesn't have to be a big thing. One of the projects we do is sending cards. We started it in the pandemic because we couldn't go into care homes during the pandemic, and you think writing a card, sending a card not really that much effort is it and um just the response we've had to people with those cards you know this one lady said you know whenever i feel alone i think of you all and i know i'm not alone and that's just from sending her a card every month you know Gosh, and, and so yeah, there's found. so much churches can do you know when we think about adopting a care home you know when we think of care homes in the past probably our main thing has been doing services in care homes yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that's absolutely vital. We've got lots of resources on our website to help people with that. So we're not knocking that at all. But not every church has that resource. But probably even churches that don't have the resources to have volunteers to go in and be friend or go in and need services, you've probably got people in your church who could send a card and their home. You know? So there's, there's some, we want people to rethink what it might look like You know, mm. in terms of adopting your local care home and start with what you can do with the capacity that you have so that, that's that's one of my biggest kind of hopes for the future that that will happen and and just changing in attitude like i said earlier towards older people that mm. really want to see see that happen The older people in our churches and in our communities are seen you know and value
0: yes definitely adding value i think um every project needs to just begin with what you have you know the five loaves and two fish it doesn't look much little boy comes up to it but it you know we're in the business of multiplication which is something i've been studying for cinnamon network to be honest because i think cinnamon's heart is to see stuff replicated and multiplied and i think that is so key to everything we do so a great place to grow old is your book
1: yes
0: listen everyone buy that book read it Think about it. See what you think you could do for your community and for the care homes in your community. Thank you so much, Tina, for your time. This has you're been you're a great discussion, great time, great chance to talk. I won't keep you any longer. But uh, yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for spending your time listening to this. Do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And feel free to follow me, David Simmons of Absolute Communication and Cinema Network on LinkedIn. Thank you.